Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. You're about to listen to a sermon on Daniel the second in our series on Daniel from Daniel chapter 2 verses 1 to 23. Uh, and you might like to have that open in front of you, have a read of it before having a listen. And in this, uh, in this sermon series we're thinking about what it means to be a Christian in a hostile environment just as Daniel was in Babylon. And we're thinking about this week how we survive and thrive in that environment. Just to remind you once again that there is more content available on YouTube and the link to the YouTube channel will be down below and I'm currently working through a series on the Apostles' Creed as we speak. Thanks so much everyone for joining me. I hope that you enjoy and I'll see you again soon. So last week... Uh, we were thinking about how we are uh, now living in Babylon. And um, you remember, um, those of you who were here last week, that seeing what happened to Daniel and to his friends is actually not too dissimilar to what's happening to us now. Now that much of the Western world, and including sadly this country, used to be a Christian country some years ago. Uh, or a much more Christian country than it is now. And I don't think really, apart from the, you know, the, the remains of what's left, I don't think we can say in any meaningful way that we are living in a Christian country anymore. Certainly the way that people think is really not, not Christian at all. And um, you know, belief in God is an afterthought and people think it's an irrelevance to their lives. Um, that's, that's where we are living uh, in, in this country at the moment. And that's very much like Daniel. Although it, people believed in gods, it certainly was not the Christian God. It was very pagan. So it was really very similar to where we're, where we're living um, today, living in a religiously pluralistic society. And the question is now, uh, from Daniel chapter 2, from this passage, is how do we live and survive and even thrive in a world like that, you know, now that we are living in Babylon, in a sense, how do we survive and thrive? That's the question. And that's what we're going to be, be thinking about in this passage. So it starts out with Nebuchadnezzar having a dream. It says in the second year of his reign, and Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his mind was troubled and he could not sleep. Now it's interesting um, this because um, the way that n- the narrator tells the story we don't find out what the dream is until Daniel interprets it, and we won't come to that till next week. So there's a bit of suspense there. You know, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, but we don't know what it is. But we just know that he's troubled. And I was reading, a, 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 I like this quote from one of the um, commentaries. It says, when tyrants suffer from bad dreams, God is at work. And I, I like that. When tyrants suffer from bad dreams, God is at work. And so um, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he summons all of the uh, magicians, the astrologers, um, you know, the the people, the enchanters, the people of their religion who are are supposed to know the answer uh, to these things. And um, he says to them, "Um, I've had a bad dream and I want you to tell me what it means. And they say, "Okay, tell us the dream. And um, then the king says, he he blindsides them. He says, this is what I have firmly decided. This is um, verse five. 
If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. So he says, no, I, I need you to tell me what the dream is. I don't want you to just interpret it. I'm not going to tell you. You need to tell me what the dream, what the dream is. Um, and um, I think here, Nebuchadnezzar is inadvertently demonstrating the futility of the, the pagan religion. Um, because he is asking something which only God can do. He's asking something which only God can do because he knows, if you look on a bit further uh, in verse 9, he says, uh, if you do not tell me the dream, there's only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. Um, and uh, he knows that if, if he just tells them the dream, they'll make something up. You know, he, he, if he tells them the dream, they'll say, oh, well, it's probably this or that or the other. So he needs to know. That's the thing. Nebuchadnezzar needed to know the real meaning. He, he recognised that there was something in the dream that was, you know, supernatural. And he needed to know what it meant. He didn't want some kind of um, fake telling him, making something up. But he wanted the real meaning. You know, these astrologers, the magicians, the enchanters, they were expert blaggers. You know, they, they, they made it up as they went along, as so many of these kind of pagan um, religions do. And um, it made me think, actually, of, um, you know, that, that famous um, escape artist Houdini. I once heard that he, he went along to various different mediums and, um, and people, and, and he... Um, he said he never found a genuine one, that in every situation he was, because of his you know, experience and knowledge as the escape artist, he was always able to work out which, which tricks they were using. So he, he never met a genuine one. Uh, and um, that's the case with these astrologers and enchanters and, and so on. They don't really have any, any divine authority. They're just making it up as they go along. And even the astrologers admit it. You notice verse, um, verse 11, they say, um, what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. They do not live among humans. So even the astrologers are saying, it's not humanly possible. We can't do it. You ask something which is far too difficult. You know, it comes from the gods and we don't have access to them. They don't live among humans. So the astrologers even admit that they can't do it. But then um, Daniel, uh, well, the king orders, their, orders the execution of all of the, the wise men, all of the people who are supposed to give answers. And um, they come to Daniel, and Daniel, he, he's got wisdom and tact, it says. Um, and as we know from the previous chapter, this is given from God. Um, and he speaks to the, the guard with wisdom intact, and um, he goes into the king and says, look, can I just have a bit more time? And so he spends the night praying. He explains it to his friends, and uh, he says to them to pray as well. And um, they pray, it says in verse 18, to, uh, to the God of heaven. That phrase there, the God of heaven, and it comes up again in verse 19, the God of heaven. 
just reinforcing the idea that yes, God is in heaven, but Daniel and his friends, they pray to him and they have access to him. And in verse 19, in a vision, uh, it says that during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. So the answer was given from God, from the God of heaven. And it's, uh, it, it is, if you like, showing who is really God, who, who has access to God. Do you know um, the, uh, the descalers you can get? And um, I quite like the, the Kilrock uh, descaler. I don't know if you've ever used that one. There are not so many places that do it around here. But their little slogan that, that, um, that comes on the bottle of that stuff is, it's the one that actually works. And, um, and it does, it really does work. I found it's, it's the best one. There you go, there's a free tip from me. Um, but, um, but that's the thing, isn't it? The one that actually works. God's the one that actually works, if you like. The God of Daniel, the God of um, his friends, he's the real God. He's the one who can actually answer, give the meaning of the vision, not these other gods. Is that it shows who's really God. And Daniel, he, he praises God. And um, again, you know, we don't just skip over, skip over this bit to the, to the part where Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of the dream. We pause for praise. And um, he praises God because he's, he's all powerful. You know, wisdom and power are his. He's, he's all knowing. Uh, he raises, uh, deposes and raises uh, kings and um, he gives wisdom and, and so on and he reveals. So he reveals that knowledge to us. He's not just powerful and wise up there in heaven, but he reveals it as well. And it, it did make me think, you know, that praise isn't, and it shouldn't just be an afterthought. Um, that, you know, in Daniel here, we have Daniel stopping to praise God in the middle and they could just skip over that bit but but it doesn't and I often think of that with you know if I if I think about my own life uh, the times when I've been praying and I, I have an answer to prayer and then praise is not the first thing that I do very often sadly sometimes it is and sometimes I remember but it, it's not and it should be shouldn't it you know we should turn to praise more often I think when we see answers to prayer so let's, let's draw things together. Let's think about what we can, what we can learn from, uh, from this passage. And so uh, I know um, on Sunday morning, a couple of weeks ago, those of you who were, were there on Sunday morning, I mentioned um, Francis Schaeffer, uh, who was an author from the, uh, the 20th century. And um, he, I think his writings are really important, but sadly, a lot of people don't know him today. Um, he's kind of, for some reason, just dropped completely off the radar. But he wrote a book. Um, I think this may have even been his first book or first sort of major book, which is just called The God Who Is There. The God Who Is There. And what he was saying in that book is basically that God's existence changes our lives. You know, that we don't serve a God who is absent. You know, we don't just get on with life as if God isn't there but that God really is there and we can talk to him and we can pray to him and we can expect him to to answer prayer we can expect him to do things that we can't do 
and so on. That the God who is there, it makes a difference and it should be a visible uh, difference you know, in our lives compared with the, a pagan world who don't believe in God. And that's what we, we see in Daniel chapter 2. That Daniel and his friends, they have that access to God. They pray to him and it makes a difference. You know, compared with the pagan, pagan gods, it's obvious who is the real God, isn't it? It's Daniel, Daniel's God, who is the real God. And I just wonder whether our lives show the reality of God's existence against some of the other things which, which people believe in out there. The other day I was listening to, um, to a podcast. I don't know if any of you are, um, are podcasters, um, but it basically sort of um, shows on, online you can download and you can listen to. And uh, there's one I like called Cooper and Carey. And actually Co- Cooper, Barry Cooper, is, um, he produced and sort of um, presented the, um, uh, uh, what was it, the uh, Discipleship Explored. Do you remember we did Discipleship Explored? So he, he's half of it. And um, anyway, they were just having a conversation. They were talking to Randy Newman, an American writer and evangelist, about evangelism. And they were talking about the importance of imagination in evangelism, that it's all very well to tell people about Jesus and to tell people about God, and, and that's all well and good. But they said we need to capture people's imagination as well. We need to show people. And they were talking about doing this with the arts and with music and TV and writing and, and all sorts. But I think um, the, the big point about the importance of showing is something that we can do whether we're involved in the arts or not. Because you know, people read, the thing that people read most is our lives, isn't it? That's what people see. You know, we are God's representatives. And this is the thing about being in, in Babylon, if you like, you know, being now in this very kind of secular culture, very religiously pluralistic culture, which is that we have an opportunity to show God's power and wisdom in our lives because they don't have it out there. I can tell you that for sure. They don't have it out there, but we do because we know the God of heaven. We know the God of heaven and we can show that in our lives. And everything that people want out there is found in God, isn't it? You know, people want security. People want community. People want love and you know, everything you can think of. And that's really found in God and found in the church, isn't it? That what people want is found here and found at his feet. And that's something that we can show to people. And that's something where, you know, it may look like, as we look out there, we see, you know, hundreds, thousands of people um, not coming to church. We see people carrying on their lives without, um, without any reference to God. But actually, we can show people that this is the true way because we know the God of heaven and we, can, uh, we have what people want. And so if we trust him, like Daniel did and like his friends did, pray to him, not through our own strength, but through God's strength, then we can show what it really means. We can show who really is God.
if you like. And that's the way to, to thrive and to survive in Babylon. Because we know the real God, the God of heaven, and we can trust in him. So let's pray together and ask that um, he would help us to put this into practice and uh, to live lives which, you know, in a sense, do demonstrate who really is God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, uh, for this passage. We thank you for the book of Daniel. And we pray that you would help us um, as we, we study uh, really to, to speak to us, Lord, and help us to live lives as Daniel did and his friends, to call upon you, the God of heaven, and to show in our lives uh, who really is God. And we pray that other people um, in our community, in our town, uh, will be able to look at us and see uh, who is working through us, not through our own strength, Lord, but through yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.